Today the subject is prevailing prayer or overcoming prayer and you have some handouts there. I think you should have the blue handout and also some, uh, some uh, hymns that we would like to sing in the course of our talk here. Maybe we'll learn that song, The Golden Key. Um, how many know that song? the golden key that you have in your handout. Nobody knows the golden key. Oh my. <laughs> well, we'll just have to learn it. My, my wife knows it really well. And uh, we like it because it says prayer is the key for the bending knee to open the morn's first hours. How many opened the hours of the morning that way with prayer? Praise God. Yeah, it's a beautiful key. So uh, let's sing that, uh, at least try it, and if we don't get along too well, why, we don't have to do all the verses. Prayer is the key for the bending knee to the morn's first hours see the incense rise to the starry skies like the perfume from the flowers not a soul so Sad, nor a heart so glad when cometh the shades of night, but the daybreak song will the joy prolong and. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you did so well on that. It is truly a golden key. And I would like to ask you first, what is our goal for this study on prayer? I'd like to have some um, ideas from you. What is your goal as we think of studying the subject of prayer for five days? What do you hope to gain by it? Any thoughts? Yes. To better learn how to pray. Better learn how to pray? Okay, good. Disciples said to the Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So we have the, the desire to learn how to pray. Any others thoughts here? Yes. That's what prayer is. Good. Good. Okay. Um, any others? Yes. Learning more to pray in the Spirit. In the Spirit. All right. Good. That would be how to pray, wouldn't it? Well, we want to study that. Uh, what else? Is there any other? Yes. Um, starting to have a constant attitude of prayer. Having a constant attitude of prayer. Yes, it says pray without ceasing, doesn't it? Right. And your head coverings kind of symbolize that, don't they? You're prepared to, to pray at any time. Yes. The purpose. Good. Okay. Anything else? Learning to tap into the power of God. Okay. Okay. Good. Tap into the power of God. I was thinking of one more thing. What to pray. How to pray and what to pray. And all these thoughts you've given are so good. Um, Let's turn to John 14. start over here. Would you read those two verses for us? No, it's more than that. 10 to 15 in John 14. Just go ahead. You can stand up if you like. like Jesus was concerned and it should be a concern of us today that we believe that we believe him and if we do these things are possible we can we can get the answers let's go to also to Matthew 6 verses 5 to 13 
Let's come along. Would you read that, uh, brother? Would you stand and read that? And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when ye pray, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good. Thank you. We have basis here for much study on prayer. And this study is to be prevailing prayer, or overcoming prayer. And there will be... um, other divisions that we have during the the week. Each day there will be a little different feature, but I want to say that it's pretty hard to um, separate into various categories the prayer, the prayers. And so we'll be overlapping and talking about uh, interceding and prevailing and uh, other kinds of prayer, other things related to prayer. Um, We have for a character sketch... Daniel, and I want to say we're going to have a song and a character sketch probably each time, and maybe more than one song. We do have some in mind here, and I think I've given you some copies already. But one of the famous uh, praying people is Daniel, and I was talking to Brother Kaufman just before we started here, and he just had a sermon on intercessory prayer, and I wish he could give it instead of me because he told some very uh, vital things about Daniel and his uh, prayer life or his encounter with God. But what can we say about Daniel? What was he like? Do we have some things we can say that, that, he, uh, that would be a description of him, a character sketch of Daniel? Can someone give me one? There are many. Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Okay. What else? Ryan. Punctual, right on time. Okay. Any others? Yes. Conviction. Okay. Oh, there's so many things that can be said for the coffee. Enduring. Good. Good. Any others? Pardon. Unafraid. Right, because he knew the penalty, didn't he? He knew about the lions. It's obvious from the scripture he knew about the lions, but he prayed anyway. Right. Right. Tremendous. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He just, that was his decision. And, and that's so great for young people. Purpose in your heart. Daniel did. Anything else you could say? 
certainly covered some of those. But you know, there was a description of not only Daniel, but his other three friends too. And I just want to read it here because I copied it off. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. Those four qualified in those areas. They were, they were ready to learn, ready to serve, and they were able they were able to stand in the king's presence. And that's no small thing. If you want to be, uh, have something to aim for in your life, read that about Daniel. And other things too, of course. We already said he was resolved to obey. He was respectful of the, uh, um, the ones that were over him in the first chapter. It says he requested. And also, I beseech thee. You know, those things are not said when someone's not uh, humble not ready to learn and listen. He wanted to, to get along there. He wasn't in a position to do any demanding. He was a captive. It says in verse 20 of that first chapter, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. He was thankful he was persistent in worship. Maybe someone mentioned that three times a day toward Jerusalem, though he knew the penalty. He was innocent. He was unafraid in, uh, of the, the lions, even though he knew about the penalty. And in chapter 9, verse 3, about prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, he was willing to confess and share blame with his people. He said, we have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned, so Daniel was saying the truth there. But he didn't have the things to confess that his people were guilty of, but he said, we have sinned. He was greatly loved by God. It says, thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Brother Kaufman pointed out to me that he was on his face for 21 days. I didn't catch that. But that's a, an amazing record to think that he would be on his face without food, fasting for 21 days. At the end of that, he was blessed of God. Luke 11, um, 1 says, Lord... Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I pray this too, and you probably do too. But in our book, number 908, uh, a, a song by uh, Francis Havergal. Let's sing that together. Uh, 908 in our hymnary. How many know the history of the hymnary? How many know the history of that hymn book? John Overholt spent 12 years, he and his family, he and his wife, compiling this hymn book. And when they published it, they sold it at cost. And they're still selling it today. John Overholt has gone on to his reward. His wife is still alive, and we order our hymn books from her. But 
it was given, this collection was found, was put together at great cost. And uh, I want us to realize that. We'd had John Overholt and his family in our home a couple of times. He, he, talked, he spoke to us. He was a devout brother, an old-fashioned brother. Uh, he was worthy of our respect. Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. I've thought of this when I was teaching because it says, Lord, teach me. Oh, Lord, oh, teach me, Lord, that I may teach. You know, all things are from God and if we don't get them from God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to be grounded. We're going to be on our own and that's not enough. I'm not really used to pitching hymns very much because my wife is so accurate at it. Why don't you just lead it, darling? Me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. Oh. Uh-huh. 
I don't know how much of your li- her life you know, but it impressed me to know that when she was given the news that she didn't have long to live, she rejoiced. She was ready to go. And I just treasure her uh, poems, her, her music, uh, her words because of that, because she was ready. You notice I'm kind of fussed up here. I was trying to get the time when I'm supposed to close. Can you tell me? I don't have the schedule right here. 11.45? Okay, thank you. Okay, I was um, particularly related to what Brother Brother Merle said about the translator, the spirit being the translator. I've worked with the translator quite a few times in a number of different languages, and it's so important that the translator knows what he's doing. 
I've had some poor translators that were really hard to work with and some very good ones that you almost felt like they could give the message. But our translator, the Blessed Holy Spirit, is perfect. Perfect in translating what he wants us to, to know from his Father. And so we're glad for that reminder. It's so good. Um, I have a few notes here that you'll follow along with me. Our study needs to be from the Word more than from our experience. Isn't that true? We want our basis to be the Word of Truth. And this is true in regards to prayer as much as in in our other subjects. We have experience in prayer. I'm sure even as young as you are, you have some experience that you could share. We want to learn what the Word of God says about prayer. We want to be taught to pray, how to pray, and what to pray, and uh, in what frame that we should need to we should pray. I've um, for this first session, I've uh, had a lot of thoughts that I'll transfer from this uh, the power of prayer and the prayer of power by R. A. Torrey. He was born in 1856, so he wasn't a recent person Um, but he has some awfully good thoughts in his book and I'd recommend to read it and a few thoughts uh, that we'll be offering here one of the quotations here is times will come in the life of every one of us sooner or later when no earthly friend can help us and no amount of wealth can help us but the time will never come when God cannot help us and deliver us completely. We're glad for that reminder. We're glad for that truth. The first item is praying in the Spirit, praying in Jesus' name. Praying is submission to the Spirit, in tune with the Spirit, and under His control. Ephesians 6.18 uh, would you find that one and read it for us? Ephesians 6:18. You can all turn to that. We'd like to have it read out loud, though. with all prayer. This is kind of the end of that list of war of uh, defense that we have, of the armor. And uh, praying kind of concludes that uh, list of the armor. But praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's so much in that verse we could probably spend the whole time, but meditate on that and see what it's saying. Praying in the Spirit, but supplication and perseverance. There's a word for perseverance that I just learned the meaning of. I can't get it in mind right now, but it's what that, that widow had when she came to uh, the unjust judge. Importunity. I get uh, I, that word gets away from me, and I didn't know what it really meant too well. But it means perseverance in the spirit. Importunity. Uh, remember that word if you can. Remember it better than I do. But it means uh, perseverance 
in the Spirit, in praying. We may come across that as we uh, go through this. Jude 20 and 21. Uh, uh, Josh, could you read that for us? Jude 20 and 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Right, that's good. And then we go back to our part of our um, reading uh, that, that our brother read for us in John 14, where it says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. You know, that's something we need to spend a little time on. Um, is he writing, uh, just giving us a blank check here to use however we want to use it? I don't think so. It says asking in my name. That means a lot. If we ask in the name of Jesus, it's going to mean uh, all the difference. You know, uh, in explaining that or trying to, I've written here, Jesus has credit with the Father and we do not accept by his grace and mercy. Um, one uh, illustration might be that if we go to a bank and write a check, it's worthless unless we have money on deposit there. We could write out a check and present it to the, the uh, one at the desk and uh, she would say, do you have an account here? Well, no, I don't. Well, you can't write a check here then. And that's kind of the way it is. Jesus has credit with the Father. And we can't just write a blank check, uh, a check that would be in our name. It has to be in Jesus' name. A person that had a a deposit in the bank, he could write as much as he wanted to to the extent of his deposit. And Jesus, of course, his credit with the Father is unlimited. And so there's no limit to what he can do for us. But we are only uh, having credit there from him, through him, by his grace and mercy. We had a little problem there at the, the ranch when someone else owned it besides the Covers a man by the name of Louis Sanka, and he employed a lot of Mexican people. And uh, they, uh, they were kind of ignorant regarding writing checks. They, uh, Louis kind of had a, uh, a joke about them. They would say, well, we have lots of checks. And they thought they, would write, they could write out lots of checks, but they would have been worthless. And that's kind of the way it is when we try to uh, approach God our own, on our own. It's through in the name of of the Lord Jesus and we have access to him uh, through that beautiful name now some of the characteristics of praying in the spirit some might find Romans 8.26 maybe the next one along here in, in order and also um, maybe 1 John 5.14 and 15 maybe uh, you could find that uh, Jordan and yes go ahead and read that Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Earnestness, intense earnestness, that's one thing we must have. Do you want to read that 27th verse too? And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And uh, the writer of this book says that indicates wisdom in praying according to the will of God. There's so much there and you can study that more. And complete assurance that God has heard and answered. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Did you have that, Jordan? Or maybe I skipped. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. You know, for a long time I thought, well, we know He hears us. But that scripture is saying more than that. It says we know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him. That's if we ask in His name and according to His will. That's one thing we don't want to ever presume that the Lord is going to do for something for us that we don't need and we don't deserve. When we come to the to the to the Lord in prayer, we come in humility, or we shouldn't come at all. But when we come that way and ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, He is faithful to give us what He knows we need. Perseverance in praying, this is our importunity. Uh, let's look at Ephesians 6.18. Um, maybe someone could get that. And Luke 11.8, starting over here. And Luke 18.1-8. Could you read that for us, brother? Sure. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching therefore thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We already had that, but it's good to think about it again, that perseverance and supplication. And Luke 11, 8. This friend was importuned his friend. And he kept asking, apparently. It doesn't really say much about it except to explain it. The reason was his importunity. He kept asking. He was persevering, and it worked. And uh, Luke 18, 1 to 8. Did I ask someone to get that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said unto himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Thus her continual coming she wearied me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect? which cry day and night unto him, so he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth? Thank you. That has several lessons. One of them is importunity. She kept asking. She asked enough that the, the, the unjust judge was wearied by it. And it says, I'm going to answer her just because she wearies me. And then he compares that to God. It's sort of a negative comparison because God is not wearied with our petitions. 
He said, won't he, ask, won't he answer? Yes, he will. Much better, much better reasons than the unjust judge had. And just feel, know that he is willing and able to, ask, uh, to answer our petitions. I have down here brokenness. And we had a dear friend that, that composed this poem about brokenness. Exquisite, beautifully carved, the alabaster box. A rich perfume, costly and rare, within its depth it locks. A woman bears it carefully until at Jesus' feet she breaks it, and the air is filled with scent so rich and sweet. Broken and useless, now it seems, Ah, no, consider, see, for this intent it was designed. A poignant mystery. Can we get the message there? We were designed to honor God. We were designed to, designed to praise Him. And we need to be broken for that reason. And it isn't a waste. We're not wasted when we're broken. We're not done when we're broken. We're just beginning we're just beginning to serve and please our holy God. How may we pray in the Holy Ghost? And I have a few notes here. One is surrender our wills. We had a Japanese pastor that came, maybe some of you remember Carl Beck. He was a, minister, a missionary in Japan for about 50 years, he and his wife and in the time that he lived in our area, he came back from Japan and lived on the west coast there so that he could go back fairly frequently. And they did that. But he also invited quite a few Japanese people over to California. And uh, we were blessed to have a Japanese pastor in our home. And uh, I got fairly well acquainted with him. He attended our church and he attended the German Baptist Church there in our area. This was before the... And I asked him, I said, what, what can you say regarding our church and the German Baptist Church? What would you give us in the way of advice? He had one word, surrender. And I believe that says a lot in one word, surrender. We need to be that way when we come to God in prayer. Surrender our wills. The second item is scrupulously, scrupulously obey. Study the word every day, intending obedience. That part is so necessary. If we read the word just because uh, this is the time when we read the word and we have a certain portion we want to read, and I do that, I have a reading schedule, and sometimes I realize that I'm kind of reading because I've decided I'm going to read. But there's more, there's more purpose than that in it. And I trust that even if we have a schedule, we can, we can uh, use this purpose of reading with the intention of obeying God. Depend on the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Yes. And ask God definitely and in detail. I think you probably have had the same thing I've had that maybe we get too general in our prayers. Maybe we say, Oh Lord, guide us today. Oh Lord, bless our family. Oh Lord, guide our church. So many things that are general, and that's not wrong. 
But it's also better to be so specific of individual needs and call on, on God giving names and needs and be specific and in detail. It's so much, I don't know, I can't say it's so much better, but it means that we're aware of the needs and we want God to answer us in these details. Not just in a general way. That's good too. And I find myself praying that way, but we know it need to also mention specific needs. Count on his answering our prayer to teach us to pray. We ask God to teach us to pray. Will he answer that? I believe he will. He wants to do good things for his people. And be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, I think I've got it written down here. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I ask a question here. Why is that comparison made? Don't be drunk with excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why are those together? Anyone have some thoughts on that? Okay, Josh. Okay, good. All right. What else? They're both spirit. Right? Okay. Okay. What else? <laughs> Spirits in the literal sense and also in the spiritual sense. Okay, good. Good. So there is a sense here that we can we can we can learn from. Uh, don't be drunk with wine. But it does change our attitude, doesn't it? It inspires us in a way, in, a, in an, a wrong way, but be filled with the Spirit. Then we can be uh, um, changed. We can be inspired. We can be different from what this old um, nature uh, prompts us to. Study the Word daily and earnestly. I think maybe the key to this is to know that it is the Word. Um, Brother Merle said that's the Spirit. The Spirit, the sword of the Spirit is what I mean. The Word is the sword of the Spirit. And when we look at the Word of God that way, it's going to make a difference. Study it daily and earnestly. The invisible Word of Spirit of God does His work through the visible, written Word of God. Is that right? I believe it is. He does his work through his word. John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. True prayer is, first of all, a complete commitment to God's will. That's from a book called Spirit Fruit, uh, Investigating the Various Fruits of the Spirit uh, by uh, Brother Drescher. And I would recommend that to anybody. It's just so analytic of the fruits of the Spirit in such a readable, interesting way. You'll be glad to read that if you get a chance. Now, hindrances to praying in the Spirit. Uh, things that can get in our way. Um, James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts, one writer made a big point of this. He said, that's the reason you don't get what you ask for is because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your lust. You ask for the wrong reasons. 
we pray out of selfish motives and not for God's glory. How can we do this? Uh, the writer, wherever I read this, might have been in Spirit Fruit, I'm not sure, but he says even good things can be sometimes for selfish reasons. For instance, if, if a husband and wife, that doesn't maybe apply to you young folks, but maybe a, a dear friend, um, you know they, they need to be converted, they need to be encouraged and all, and why? Is it so that you can look better or that, so that somehow you can have a little better relationship? It needs to be for the glory of God. Do all things for the glory of God. And some of these ordinary things that would be good, otherwise a, a church increase in its members, we'd all like to see that happen, but why? Because we can be encouraged? Because we can have a bigger fellowship? Because we can look better in the eyes of the world? No! For the glory of God is the only reason we ask these things. Even for revival. Revival is such a good purpose. But what for? Is it for our encouragement only? Yes, it does encourage us. But if it's not for the glory of God, it can be very selfish. Maybe we need a, another car or another house. And there's nothing wrong with these in, in themselves. But if it's not for the glory of God, be careful. It can be pretty selfish if it's not for the glory of God. John Wesley wrote to Charles. I could maybe read some of that. Uh, maybe I will when I read some out of E.M. Bounds on prayer. He has such a complete work, almost um, heavy, almost tiresome to read. It's what you'd call exhaustive, I guess, but uh, he has some tremendous good thoughts. And he wrote to Charles, John Wesley wrote to Charles about a spiritual decline in their area, in their people, in their fellowship. He said, what hinders the work? You know what he decided? He decided it was themselves, the leadership. They were not as aware. They were not as alive. They were not as on fire as they should be. Maybe that's a real, um, real message to us as leaders. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Your sins have hid his face from you. And I have a little thing, if this is wrong, and I have the if underlined here. And I want us to search our hearts and see if there might be some things that we're kind of questioning about. We, we maybe think this might be wrong, and we ask the Lord if it's wrong, when we really know it's wrong. If we know it's wrong, don't ask the Lord if. I could probably give some personal examples, some examples that I wouldn't maybe want to share in public, but I could say to the Lord, if this is wrong, when I know it's wrong. I know it's something that doesn't please Him. Be careful of that. Ezekiel 14, 1-3 speaks about idols in the heart. If we have idols in our hearts, a quote, we're not on praying ground. And I want to ask you, what could be some idols in the hearts of young people? Do we have anything in mind that might be an idol? Remember, an idol is something that takes the place of the worship of God. Takes the place of God in our lives. What might it be? 
Can you think of anything that could be an idol in your heart? Yes. Self. Self? I think that's for all of us. Fear? Okay. Right. We don't have to fear, do we? If we trust the Lord. I guess I'll have to confess I had some fears the last few days. Not only about doing well here, but also about a memorial that I had to officiate at. And I was fearful. This memorial was a dear nephew's wife who died fairly early of cancer. And they were they were dignified people. And they were in Los Angeles in the large groups of Christians there. And they wanted this memorial to be in the, the uh, Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And I don't know if you realize what the Hollywood Presbyterian Church is, but it's a huge cathedral-like with a great big organ in the front and a big choir loft. And I was intimidated and I feared. But God is faithful and he didn't honor my fears. He didn't let me down. Praise his name. What else might be an idol? How about knowledge? Okay. Yeah, I think that's pretty common in the world today. We rode um, from Los Angeles to Seattle uh, with a young lady, a very charming young lady. She was, uh, her father was Irish and her mother was uh, Taiwanese. And she was a beautiful girl. She didn't look awfully Chinese. But what I want to say about her is she was so dignified, but she was an educated woman. She had even been a a mechanical engineer. And what was it she does now, darling? Do you remember? It It was pretty technical anyway. And we realized here's an educated woman. And I just had to ask her, are you a believer? She said, well, I believe there is a God. And we tried to testify, her that about, testify to her about the Lord Jesus. And I gave her a little tract, and she was very gracious to take it. She tucked it in with her things and said she'd read it. But here was a woman that had probably devoted her life to education. And that may have been an idol to her. I just, I just loved that girl. She was such a... Beautiful, uh, beautiful character um, in, in that way. Uh, she was so dignified and so gracious, but not a believer, and that's sad, because that can be an idol. What else could be an idol? Popularity. Popularity, right. Being esteemed by our peers. You know, that's good. If our peers are good, we can be harmonious with our peers when they're good, but just to be esteemed is not enough. It's too much, actually. And if it's esteem by the world, it's really an idol. What else? Christian service for good works. Good works. Okay. There's nothing really wrong with good works, is there? He recommends good works. But if we would make that the basis of our salvation, it certainly could be wrong, couldn't it? Right? Did you have something? Pardon? Physical work. We could get so involved in our physical work. That's a real danger. I know it is. I've seen it happen, and I've even uh, felt it in my own life. I uh, worked half of my life as a seller of hardware and the other half as a teacher, 
And either one can, can get the best of you, even though it's a good thing. If we get so involved and we shut God out and think we're doing it, and sometimes I realized, and it was with my own son, I punished him once for poor work because I thought he should know. I thought I had taught it carefully, and I punished him. And I realized later it was because I didn't look very good as a teacher when that happened. And I had to apologize and ask his forgiveness because I knew it was a matter of pride with me. A bit of failure for him, of course. But that's what I was there for, was to teach, to inspire and help these students. Yes, that can get the best of us. Maybe we're overdoing this, but do you think of any more that might be idols? I think this is pretty useful. Yes? I can't get it. I don't hear very well. Trying to fit in. That's kind of the idea of being respected by your peers. Right. Trying to fit in. We don't dare fit in when it's worldly, do we? We have to be different. There is a difference. We belong to a different kingdom. And I hope we, can't lose, like we, can't, we don't lose that concept. You've, you've learned it. That's what the brethren teach and, and the other plain people teach, that there are two kingdoms. And we belong to the one kingdom of God. And when we try to fit in with that other kingdom, it can be an idol. Anything else? Well, maybe we should move on. An unforgiving spirit. Mark 11, 25 and 26. I'd kind of like to have that read. Where were we? Mark 11, 25 and 26. I should maybe have these looked up and just read them myself, but I'm glad you can look them up. Get familiar with your Bible. relates right to prayer, doesn't it? We need to forgive. When we stand praying, we need to forgive. We're talking about prevailing prayer, and it's not going to prevail. It's not going to overcome if we can't fit in in God's pattern. Any other hindrances here? Failure to give to the needy. We might not have to look those up. Maybe we won't have too much time. But if we're not generous, and these these scriptures, you can look them up and see what it talks about there. If we're not willing to give, then we're in bad shape. We can't pray properly to the Father if we're, um, what is it, the word parsimonious, um, stingy, wrong treatment of wife or husband. Uh, this wouldn't apply to you young folks, but you might remember it for the future because Peter talks about it when... Uh, when we don't give honor to the weaker vessel, we can have prayers hindered. We can, that hinders our prayers. And murmurers are ungrateful people. You don't hear that word too much anymore, but my wife's father was an invalid for many years. And he used that word. He said, I don't want to murmur. And we don't want to murmur. That's when we complain and feel like we're really being 
dealt uh, something very hard. Daniel's prevailing prayers. Uh, We've already gone over this. Daniel kneeled three times a day toward Jerusalem. And uh, I have the wrong reference here. If you cross that out, it's, it's chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. I got uh, kind of mixed up there. I did the, the number 2 for the number 1. I had it twice there. Daniel and his three friends prayed. They prayed together and they needed because they were being faced with, uh, well, they were in a foreign country. They were captives. And they really needed to pray. But on top of that, they were, in, they were qualified to pray. He continued to kneel three times a day toward Jerusalem, though he knew about the den of lions. And God was faithful. I just marvel. It's such a familiar story to children. You've heard it all your days. But look at that story and what a tremendous example of courage that was when Daniel continued to pray and of course, his enemies insisted, you know, that the, the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be changed. We're not used to that. But it could not be changed, and he had to go to the lion's den, and God was with him there. I just marvel at that old king's response. He said, Oh, Daniel, has the Lord been able to deliver you? And he was. He was abundantly able. Daniel 9, 3-6 And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes made my confession saying we have sinned. Um, Nehemiah also said that. They took the place with their people saying we have sinned. They knew their people had sinned and they knew they had too. But it looks like us when we read about it we think well Daniel didn't sin. He was a faithful brother. Neither did Nehemiah. But the word, like I said before, the word says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prevailing prayers of Elijah. Um, I don't believe we'll go to that. I'd like you to look that up, but I know we're running, running out of time. And I want to read a story about the power of prayer. From The story is from Africa. Maybe you've heard this story, but it's really... Um, story of victory the power of prayer a missionary in furlough told this true story while visiting his home church in Michigan while serving in a small field hospital in Africa every two weeks I traveled by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies this was a journey of two days and required camping overnight at the halfway point on one of these journeys I arrived in the city where I planned to collect money from a bank purchase medicine and supplies and then begin my two-day journey back up to the field hospital. Upon arrival in the city, I observed two men fighting, one of whom had been seriously injured. I treated him for his injuries and at the same time talked to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. I then traveled two days, camping overnight, and arrived home without incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey. Upon arriving in the city, I was approached by a young man I had treated, by the young man I had treated. He told me that he had known I carried money and medicines. He said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle, knowing you would camp overnight. We planned to kill you and take your money and drugs. Just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded 
by 26 armed guards. At this I laughed and said that I was certainly all alone out in that jungle campsite. The young man pressed the point, however, and said, No, sir, I was not the only person to see the guards. My five friends also saw them and we all counted them. It was because of those guards that we were afraid and left you alone. At this point of the sermon, one of the men in the congregation jumped to his feet and interrupted the missionary. He asked him the exact day this happened. The missionary told the congregation the date, and the man who interrupted him told him this story. On the night of your incident in Africa, it was morning here, and I was preparing to go play golf. I was about to go out when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urging was so strong, I called men in this church to meet with me in the sanctuary to pray for you. Would all of those men who met with me on that day stand up? The men who had met together to pray that day stood up. The missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting how many men he saw. There were 26. Wonderful example of prayer that works. Prevailing prayer that really works in true life. I know it won't happen that way maybe in our lives but we can be encouraged by the fact that it has happened and that we know that God answers. And we know that if we come to Him in humility and brokenness, that He will hear us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to You in thanksgiving and in confession. Lord, we should have implored Your mercy and grace at the beginning of this session. I pray you'll forgive us. But I thank you for being with us. And Lord, I pray to teach me to pray the way Jesus taught his disciples. Teach us each one to know you better and love you more and follow you more closely. Lord, help us to close. Join with me in that perfect prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.